Welcome to the Magnificast, a podcast about Christianity and leftist politics. I'm Dean Detloff. I'm a PhD student at the Institute for Christian Studies. I'm a journalist, I'm a barista, and I sell comic books. I'm Matt. I teach media studies at Greenville University in Greenville, Illinois. Um, I research uh, media archaeology, cultural theory. Right now, uh, working on this really neat thing. I'm co-writing with Dean, so spoiler alert. On... uh, (laughs) on the role of radio in uh, revolutions. So, reading a lot about uh, radio in Cuba right now. It's dope. It is Really dope. excited about it. I'm, I want to talk about it actually a lot, but maybe some other time. <laughs> I agree. Uh, surprise, Fidel was extremely into the internet. That's very cool. Not radio-related, yeah. but just a neat right. neat tidbit for you. <laughs> uh, and, like, Shay was the first podcaster, so there you go. That's right. He was. He was the first, <laughs> first podcaster. It's like kind um, of a joke, but kind of real. I don't know. No, it's true. Uh, it's very true. Except like, I don't know that many podcasters who are uh, setting up their their little stumble microphones in the middle of like guerrilla war zones or jungles. Yeah, not many. Not many. At not all. yet. Not yet. <laughs> Someone out there might. <laughs> um, cool. Well, this will be used against us later on. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> moving on to this this episode what are we doing today um it's it's a new year matt uh this is the second episode of it of this new yeah, year. yeah second episode of the new year new year new left that's what i always say um <laughs> studies show uh five out of five doctors say um that by this time by january uh 16th uh crap that dates the episode oh well um <laughs> most people have given up on their new year's resolutions but you'll all be happy to know that uh we have not given up on our new year's resolution um well it's we have two it's a really short list um well okay we have three uh first <laughs> go to the gym more second uh usurp joel osteen from the itunes charts and then third uh but not like this isn't in like a, an order of importance but uh third uh do socialism um so uh, we can at least check off the third one, I think, in this episode. Uh, yeah, so we'll be done I'm excited for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it is 2018. Uh, in case you've forgotten or you're still writing 2017 and stuff, stop doing that. Um, <laughs> just, just get the right <laughs> get, year. Get your head together. Get your head in the game. <laughs> um, Donald Trump has been uh, president for a whole year, and that has been a wild ride, to say the very least. Um, so, uh, throughout that year, uh, people have been becoming more disgruntled, um, more, uh, convicted that things are wrong. Um, I think there's a lot to say about that, that we can kind of get to later. Um, and, uh, 2017 was the year of, uh, the so-called religious left, or that's what the think pieces wanted us to think. Um, and also like, uh, 2018 is also the year of the religious left, uh, according to a lot of, uh, think pieces and so on. Um, so, uh, if last year was the year of the religious left and maybe this year is too, maybe let's just take a second and figure out what it is the religious left is and does and is supposed to look like. Um, it is a thing for sure. Um, so in this episode, we're going to take some time and think through, uh, I guess, like what this term means and like the way it's used in uh, the contemporary discourse. Uh, think about some of the historical aspects and probably uh, summarize some of the stuff we've talked about in the past. And then um, finally, we want to introduce all of you nice and wonderful listeners to something that um, uh, our friends uh, in the uh 
Christians for Socialism Collective have put together and published uh, in the last few days. Uh, so um, after we do all three of those things, we can check off that last uh, do socialism off of the uh, news resolution uh, list. Get back to the gym <laughs> after that. Yeah, and we'll go to the gym. <laughs> uh, cool. So um, I have a I have a Google Alerts set up for every time someone's meant someone mentions the religious left or the Christian left. Uh, I'm sorry for your inbox. <laughs> it is. It's not pretty. Um, the The best part is uh, when you set up Google Alerts for the Christian left, you also learn about all kinds of stories where people have the last name of Christian and are pictured left. Um, so that's <laughs> that's really great. Uh, those are good notes. It's like a twelve year old's blog post about a uh, Christian who was picked uh, <laughs> pictured on the left side of the photograph. That's um, right. Uh, surprising amount of um, troubling murders and exciting sports games. Those are the two <laughs> that seem to, to rise to the top. Um, that so is that's, sad and funny. <laughs> that's pretty great. Uh, but one thing I've kind of noticed uh, is that coverage on the religious left seems to kind of amount to finding a mirror for the religious right. So I guess to put it in the most basic terms this is like covering over a a wide swath of history and everything else but uh the religious the religious right is this big hegemonic force of conservative christianity trying to legislate its way to i don't know some dumb idea of of what america should be um and so people are like wow that that's a really powerful force uh it even got donald trump elected uh where's the religious left and by that they mean some some counter hegemonic group that would continually vote for democrats so uh the short of it is that most of these takes boil down a religious left to a sort of two-party problem uh there's a religious right which sides with the republicans so naturally there should be in the in their view a religious left that is a reliable democratic voting block um and if you listen to this podcast for more than an episode uh you might discover that we're not really down with that per se um so i don't know Matt, what do you think about that yeah Um. (laughs) they they are actually bad you 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 got it you got it right (laughs) plus gold star (laughs) yeah thanks um (laughs) yeah i think that's funny um it's just like uh i think it speaks to the general impoverishment of the political thinking in the united states that what left means is democrats um when what actually left means is socialists anarchists communists and stuff um, so, uh, it's a problem of imagination and also a problem of vocabulary. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's all kinds of these different articles out there that talk about what the religious left is and where it's coming from and how we need it so bad. Um, but, uh, there are, I mean, like there are some artifacts of it for sure. Um, like the poor people's campaign, um, or, um, like Jesus radicals or whatever, right? There are like mm-hmm. actually Christian left things. Uh, but it doesn't seem like those are the things that uh, folks are looking for when we talk about the religious left. Um, one of the perhaps most interesting uh, sort of uh, academically interesting, not like interesting in the good way <laughs> uh, articles is uh, a really kind of like funny blog post from thinkprogress.org uh, titled, Nobody is laughing at the religious left in 2017. <laughs> uh, and after reading this article, I'm not exactly sure why. Um, it doesn't seem like the religious left really amounts to a whole lot of anything. 
Uh, so Dean, uh, we took some time before we started recording to talk about this and kind of pick out some good pieces of it. Uh, what stood out to you from this article? Yeah, so I think this article is really great because it helps to, I think, collect a whole sort of vision of what uh, basic sort of democratic liberals think about what the religious left ought to be or where the, the limits of that imagination kind of takes you. So um, there's a host of examples that this particular author brings out to kind of show what they think is the religious left kind of emerging as this force in 2017 to challenge Donald Trump uh, to be, uh, there's at one point they, it talks about the re- the resistance, hashtag resistance as a hey, spiritual movement. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the one thing that really, I guess, got me going was uh, this one line or a few lines where it says, uh, as an example of the religious left, faith groups hosted day-long rallies and pray-ins with Democratic lawmakers such as Senator Cory Booker, who is now often associated with the religious left, on Capitol Hill to decry uh, a bill that was being passed, and multiple clergy leaders were arrested in Washington, D.C. while protesting. I think what frustrates me about reading lines like that is uh, Cory Booker is not a part of the religious left in a meaningful sense. Uh, Prayans and day-long rallies are not... Um, not, I guess, strong leftist um, uh, indicators. I mean, they're not bad things. Like, people should no. have rallies. There's nothing wrong with praying and using prayer as a form of protest. It's a, like, powerful, symbolic gesture. And I don't mean to discount that. But uh, when we're talking about what the religious left uh, might mean in a, in a meaningful sense, I think it's really important to actually disassociate that from the Democratic Party especially. And uh, the minute somebody says a particular Democratic... Uh, politician especially someone like cory booker is associated with the religious left um i guess i am the one laughing at the religious left now in, in 2018 <laughs> yeah no i get it though like um okay like day-long rallies prayings, protests those are all cool um but like how left could they possibly be if cory booker could like get involved like i mean cory booker's fine like whatever like i don't know but he's like not a leftist <laughs> yeah like like uh do those protests are they like anti-capitalists are they uh fighting for the rights of workers are they trying to protect like the dignity of the homeless i don't know like what are the what do those things do like just because religious people are, like are protesting something doesn't mean like anything it doesn't tell us about the content of those things i guess yeah and yeah that is what bugs me That's um right. So this is maybe a roundabout a way of getting at this point, but I think it's uh, worth making. Uh, so one of the people I like to talk about the most uh, is not a Christian, uh, and his name is Jean Baudrillard. He's a, <laughs> a, a French uh, postmodern philosopher, um, and uh, a lot of people love to hate him, and I just love him. Uh, <laughs> he's, like, so cool. I don't know. There's a lot of things I like about him. Um, one of, like, the more controversial things he wrote uh, was this essay called The Gulf War Did Not Take Place. Um, and it's a really dope essay. Go check it out. Uh, I'm sure you can find it on the internet somewhere. Uh, and people got really upset because like, well, actually the Gulf War did take place <laughs> if you didn't know. Uh, <laughs> but the, the point of the essay is that like, yeah, it did take place, but just not the way that you think that it did. Um, he, uh, the kind of crux of the essay is that like, um, what we think of as the Gulf War or the Gulf War taking place is like the media representation of the Gulf War taking place. And like that skews what it is like that war was and looks like and feels like, you know, completely. Um, anyways, mm-hmm. I think, I think, 
I'd like to make a similar critique of maybe the religious left, uh, and I want to do it through this article. <laughs> so one of the headings, uh, one of the headings in this article, in the Think Progress article, is uh, the heading is the religious left isn't what the media thinks it is, um, which is okay. Like it's trying to make a point that like uh, the media thinks the religious left is one thing, and it's not. It's kind of like a critical point. Uh, and then the the immediate following, uh, the immediate sentence that follows that critique. Uh, of a header is the religious left was virtually unavoidable by June when an above the fold feature story on the movement graced the cover of New York <laughs> Times Sunday edition. Okay, so it's this really funny juxtaposition of the religious left isn't what the media thinks it is, and then the next sentence is the religious left was unavoidable in the media. Um, right. Like so, like yes, it actually was. I, I guess like I, this whole long story is just to say that like the religious left uh, looks a lot more like a bunch of think pieces getting published somewhere than it mm-hmm. did like people in the streets or people engaging in like like educational programming or something like that. Uh, the religious left was a lot of people posturing about the, religi- the religious left and not a lot of doing. Um, or at maybe least that's overly the... critical. Maybe like, you, you know, it... people did stuff, but yeah. just not all the stuff yeah yeah well that's the thing like i think maybe maybe we could say something like the religious left uh it's true it's not what the media thinks that it is but the media keeps thinking that it knows what the religious left is uh and this is a a perfect example of that so the idea is you you kind of pick out a variety of uh of things uh that happened and you decide that those things fit within the category of the religious left uh, all the while ignoring all kinds of other really radical things that happened that year. Um, for example, uh, nowhere in this article does it talk about um, the sabotaging of oil pipelines done by the uh, two members from the Catholic Worker in Iowa. Uh, mm-hmm. That is a religious left thing to do, to destroy private property in the interest of saving the environment and protesting a breach of indigenous sovereignty, etc. Like, that's a religious left thing to do. Um but that's not the kind of thing that shows up in an article like this. Yeah. Um, it's interesting how those kinds of things get left out, right? Um, the things that I think are actually meaningful for the political imagination of activists that are religious and on the left, um, those get kind of pushed to the side. Um, instead, we get uh, Prayans and Cory Booker. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think that Prayans would be way cooler if people did them at work. And uh, <laughs> I agree. And prayed instead of working. I don't know. Yeah, this could, that prayer, could be pretty rad. Prayer strikes are a thing that should happen. Yeah, uh, I like a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. Prayer strikes are things that should happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it actually reminds me. This is sort of a side point, but you know, uh, Reverend Billy Talon. We're both uh, fans of this yeah. particular guy. If you don't know Reverend Billy Talon, boy, do you have some fun YouTube ahead of you. <laughs> um, uh, There's Reverend a documentary. Talon, called church of stop shopping go watch it just after this podcast is over go watch it it's so yeah good. it is so good uh so reverend billy talon is an activist artist uh i don't know you could probably classify him in a number of ways but he adopts this persona of a um sort of southern uh revivalist preacher uh like a televangelist essentially and he performs these like exorcisms of the demons of Wall Street or uh, he'll pray for, you know, revivals in the middle of like, um, like, I don't know, cops arresting people at a protest or something like that's the kind of praying I can get down with uh, this kind of uh, playful um, appropriation of Christian imagery and themes and that 
that kind of a way. That's a that's a good religious left, even though I don't think Billy Talon is actually a, a Christian. Yeah, I'm not sure that if he actually is. It's never really clear. Which is good. I don't that's know. a cool thing. Yeah, make it ambiguous. I'm down. Yeah. I don't, he can come to my church. I don't care. All dunking aside, there is something cool that does come out in this article. Um, they do mention the Poor People's Campaign, which is actually legit. So that's it is, something to think sure. about. That's right. Uh, I mean, like, the religious left is a lot of things, and I think the Poor People's Campaign should be at the center of it, or at least should be a really a huge part of it. Um, yeah. It's, like, uh, something that actually ana- uh, analyzes and understands uh, class as a really important factor for religious people. So, Yeah, and go. links it There's up to uh, other struggles like racism and militarism, the triple evils that Martin Luther King Jr. identified that motivated the Poor People's Campaign. So, um, yeah, very cool thing. Uh, I think, though, one reason that this article is useful in the way that it kind of summarizes a particular view, I guess, is that it does help to articulate, I guess, the differences of a kind of liberal left Christianity and a Christian left that's rooted in uh, what is maybe more traditionally recognized as leftist uh, <laughs> discourses like Marxism, anarchism, socialism. Um, I think it's really useful to kind of see the way that uh, religious folks are reined in and sometimes excluded even within popular leftist discourse, like media leftist discourse, uh, because it's not actually, that kind of discourse isn't actually willing to sort of understand and promote and engage uh, real kind of leftist discourse outside the media. So Mm -hmm. the one thing this article gets right is that the religious left isn't what the media thinks that it is. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's right. Um, Well, uh, where are some other places we see the religious left coming out, Dean? Yeah, so the religious left is still out there, still doing stuff. Uh, I mentioned the Catholic worker in Iowa. Um, there are also a number of Catholic workers around. Uh, we, we've gotten some emails from very good-natured <laughs> Catholic worker folks for some uh, some shade that we've thrown at like Dorothy Day occasionally on this podcast, and I just want to affirm that. Uh, <laughs> Catholic worker folks are actually extremely cool. Um, in my experience, anyway, they're very cool and often on the ground doing really important good work. Um in some cases, getting arrested for sabotaging oil pipelines. So that's a that's a good example of the Christian left. Um, we mentioned the Poor People's Campaign. You mentioned earlier Jesus Radicals. Uh, if folks don't know what that is, um, they're a collective get, of Christian, get at it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, Christian anarchists. They also have a podcast. Um, I don't know how often they update it, but there's a really good catalog of interviews um, that they have on their website. So dig that. Check that out. Um, I used to I used to read Jesus Radicals all the time. It was like a huge thing for me um, back in my good old anarchist days, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, there's lots of uh, really informative articles, and uh, I'm not such a fan of it now because uh, sometimes some of the articles have kind of an uh, anarcho-primitivist kind of bent to them. Not all of them, but just some. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're good, though. They're good educational folks and doing good work uh so they're out there still doing things that's a cool thing um i think uh also i don't know there's all kinds of like micro religious left organizations that are left over uh in my experience like there is a group called pox christi which is a non-violence catholic non-violence initiative that has chapters throughout the world but there's one in toronto and there's all kinds of really engaged uh, especially older catholics who are kind of leftovers from like liberation theology that they show up at stuff and that's really amazing to see um 
there's a lot of i guess little little groups like that that kind of hang on um um yeah like um the methodist federation for social action is another yeah. one that is still around and has been around forever worth worth thinking about um there was a time when i think when they were a lot more radical than they are now but uh i don't know it's still cool check them check them out Go- give them a give them a <laughs> give them a google <laughs> yeah or like uh the student christian movement that's still a thing it was a big important thing in the 60s and at least in toronto uh it still exists and they organize radical bible studies and uh they do a lot of cool work so it's not like the religious left has disappeared it's just like those aren't those little micro uh narratives don't make the big stories uh in the news which is too bad yeah the religious left has has never disappeared but like the media wants it to be something as spectacular as the religious right and in doing so strangely made the decision to like annex all of the actual authentic christian left sources that's right i like how you put that they want it to be as spectacular as the christian right um that's good because uh that's also what the democrats want right uh is to be sort of as spectacular as uh, the republicans in a certain way it's just that they want to do it premised on this kind of vague moral uh yeah moral conservatism i suppose it's not like it's also not like um just by chance that they sort of neglect to mention all of those sources that they do. I mean, like right. if they did, they'd have to pay, like they'd have to give time to people who have uh, more radical politics and think progress or whoever isn't going to do that. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. There are other people that are actually writing good uh, Christian left pieces. Like, I don't know. They've all been on the show. Matt Sittman, Daniel Camacho, etc. cetera. Um, yeah. People do good work still. And uh, they don't, they don't get grouped in with the, uh, giant spectacular religious left and pieces and that sucks yeah it does suck um i think also one phenomenon that we're seeing uh in the last year is that the christian left is um amorphous like it's still kind of emerging uh the thing that comes to mind for me is the charlottesville event in particular um when all these clergy folks showed up to protest white supremacists uh that's a really amazing thing um you know like i think there are so many christians who felt uh this was clearly wrong they felt the need to say something to be present and to make that heard in a, in a bodily way and that's really cool but i would imagine most of those folks probably aren't organized into sustainably leftist um collectives or something like that so yeah yeah it's nascent in that way yeah, totally. Um, I just think back to that that video that Cornel West, uh, like the the interview that Cornel West did, like right after Charlottesville. He's just like, we showed up, and like, good thing, like the anti fascist uh, folks were there to protect us. Yeah, <laughs> because like, that's right. like if they if they had been organized, like that would have been something they would have thought of way before that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's like um, there are there are like definitely good um, and active religious left folks in the world. Um, but they're not organized, I guess, under, under like a heading or like under a front or anything like that. They, um, it, I, I think this analysis demonstrates that like, yeah, like religious people care totally and they're interested and they feel convicted, but they are not organized. Um, right. so the religious left, uh, someone should write a think piece, uh, <laughs> uh, about organization because maybe that's the next step. Um, no amount of think pieces, uh, on any, uh, liberal leaning news ish sources are going to get people organized. That just isn't going to happen. Right. Uh, speaking of that, 
Also, things that are not going to get people organized are uh, <laughs> like tweets and uh, blog posts. And um, <laughs> I'm going to kick myself for saying this later, but also uh, like manifestos that are posted on the internet and sort of stop there. Um, and I am referring to a thing that came out in 2016, the Tradenista Manifesto. Uh, I, I don't want to dunk on it too hard because I spent a lot of time dunking on it on the internet too much already. Uh, and also, like, I don't hate everybody that's involved with it by any means, um, but uh, I do think that it is not a great, uh, not a great political program. It's not one that I would sign up to, but it takes itself to be a religious left, uh, and it intentionally says it wants to organize Christians to be, uh, you know, an, an organized force in the world. Um, so it's like they've also recognized that there are a lot of folks who are morally repulsed by what's happening in the world. And they need to be, um, they need to find a space to organize with each other and with themselves. Uh, but the program is not um, desirable, at least in, in my opinion. It doesn't link up to actual leftist movements or sensibilities uh, in in any significant way. Yeah, as a Protestant, I find it just extremely confusing. Um, <laughs> like the impulse is cl- clearly good to me. Like um, I think that they, I mean the the Tradenista manifesto comes out of a similar identification of a problem that like, okay, there are sources of religious left, but they aren't organized under anything. Uh, it's confusing because it's just like, um, it tries to mash up leftist political thought with like Catholic social teaching. And I think that works a lot of times, but sometimes it just gets extremely strange and alienating. <laughs> and I can't read, like, I mean, I'm a Protestant, so I guess they probably don't care about me. Um, or they would just be like, you know, submit to the Pope, et cetera. But um, <laughs> I read it, and I'm just like, I have no idea why these things are important to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of weird. Yeah, I think the strange thing reading it, I mean, I am a Catholic, and in some ways I understand some of the impulses. Like, I mean, sure, it's good to find points of contact within your own religious tradition, and specifically for Catholics, it's important to find points of contact within the Catholic tradition, which is long and broad and full of all kinds of important people in it. Uh, But I think that what is particularly strange about this document is it's hard for me to understand how uh, it would ever materially manifest into a real actual movement on the ground in the world. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's sort of, um, it's a good example of how Catholic social teaching actually has a really hard time, (laughs) like meeting real people in like 2018. Uh, For example, the manifesto goes out of its way to uh, talk about how they don't, um, they don't like racism, they don't like misogyny, and they don't like homophobia, and they don't like transphobia. They, they name those as forms of oppression, uh, but they also don't think that people should be, like, uh, they don't think gay people should get married. I mean, they don't think that women should be priests. They don't think that trans people are uh, expressing some kind of authentic uh, um, truth about themselves or whatever, or exploring their own identities for themselves. Uh, and I think it's crazy to imagine that that kind of vision would really uh, be greeted as any sort of ally among a, uh, an actual legitimate leftist movement today. Yeah, it is. It's so hard to believe for me. It, it's just so hard to take it so seriously because it's like, um, like capitalism is bad. And like, here's a completely alienating piety that people should take up. And it's just like, I don't think so. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I okay. Um, 
again, I'm not Catholic. I probably have uh, 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 a perhaps like, um, well, okay. I have an extremely un-Catholic understanding of marriage or something, but like uh, in the manifesto, they explicitly talk about like the importance of like not divorcing. And it's like, I don't, I think that divorce is probably sometimes good, right? Like, okay, so maybe that's because of, like, like liberalism poisoning my mind or whatever. Um, and there's also lots of other, like, kind of uncomfortable sexual politics going on in here that feel extremely <laughs> repressed to me. And, like, again, that's probably because of, uh, of, like, liberalism poisoning my mind or whatever. But it's just, like, do you expect people to, like, really get behind this in any strong way? I don't – for me, personally, no. Um, yeah, and it just seems like uh, and a really futile exercise in what could have been something very cool. Um, also, some yeah. other things probably we could say about it too. Like, uh, <laughs> sorry, Dean, you spent too much time dunking on it, but I, I guess I haven't. Um, <laughs> in uh, in the about, it says, in our task, we are influenced by Aristotle, Saint Augustine, Saint Thomas Aquinas, Karl Marx, and the Catholic Social Magisterium, among others. Like, okay, but like any. Any women? <laughs> Any people of color? I don't know. Like, it just seems it just seems so like um, like this is like socialism, but like like dressed in some kind of like weird, really constricting uh, shirt made of horse hair or something. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that's right. And it feels after reading it like the manifesto is already kind of dead in the water. Like I can't, as far as I know. I don't know. I don't, I could. I can't think of anyone who has organized on this as a platform or as a a real vision that makes material demands in the world, uh, such that you would go out and and try to realize it or get other people on board. I mean, I could be wrong about that, but uh, if someone brought it to me, I wouldn't sign up. I guess, which is fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's okay to be not that target audience, I suppose, but. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's just a good example of like people who also recognize there's a problem and uh, in terms of where religious people are trying to express a moral injunction to capitalism, to racism, to all these oppressive structures. Uh, and they recognize that problem has to be addressed through organization. But in adopting the language of a religious left, it's hard to kind of also see that as a uh, authentically leftist movement. I mean, it's also it's just like self-defeating. Um hmm. I mean, can can you really be authentically left and also like be anti-feminist? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a good open question for Treadnistas. It's not like they haven't thought of it, but they've never, in my experience, given a satisfactory answer to that. <laughs> Apart from uh, repentance submit to the Pope, so I don't know. Yeah, so that's not a good political program. Um, it's not a good political program. I guess, or 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 maybe I guess I can just, like maybe the most charitably I can just say it doesn't convict me. Um, it doesn't convict me most charitably, uh, most uncharitably, these people are not my comrades. Like, I don't know, because, <laughs> because I, if you, if you like exclude, if you like actively exclude such like people on such dumb bases, I don't know what to do about it other than just be like, not, I'm not down. <laughs> May God have mercy on your Twitter account after this episode airs. Um, that's all I'm going to say like, about that. Like I'm a Protestant, I don't even care. Like, uh, <laughs> like, what are you gonna do to me? Like, I won't go to your church. Like, fine. Uh, listen, I'll just like hang out at Protestant churches and sing Chris Tomlin songs until Jesus comes back and like the rapture happens and uh, like, whatever. Uh, I mean, Catholicism is. Behind. Yeah, exactly. Catholicism is very good, but like these are just things that like are not gonna convict people. 
Yeah. Um, and not me. It's also, I'm, I think it's also like not, it's not the sum total of Catholic organizing or Catholic thought about Marxism yeah. or the left either. And uh, Absolutely. it would be a mistake to assume that it was. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I not agree. that that's what they're saying, but uh, if you did think that, well, you're wrong. <laughs> uh, yes. All right. So let's transition to what was good about the religious left in the past, what was what worked and what was successful. Um so we've talked about a bunch of examples of that on this podcast in the past, and we'll continue to do so. But I think one especially exciting one that sticks with us and is stuck with a lot of our listeners is Christians for Socialism. Uh, we'll talk more about the new manifesto later, but let's kind of just take a minute to sit with like the history of it and tradition of it. So a quick review, if you've never listened to the other episodes we've done on CFS, uh, it started in Chile under the Allende government. Uh, a bunch of Christians wanted to figure out how to participate in socialism there, and that slowly kind of spread its um, its wings to other parts of the world, including the U.S. in the 70s and 80s. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll take a minute to just chat about that. Um, Matt, are there is there anything about Christians for Socialism in the United States, in particular in the 70s and 80s, that you thought was really cool, uh, responding to some of these similar problems of trying to organize religious people into real leftist uh, coalitions? Yeah, I think there's a lot to say uh, about what was cool about it, because it's all cool. <laughs> um, I think, uh, okay, so first we can say, like, I guess what I like about it is that um, Christians for Socialism was definitely a way that Christians in the United States were sort of, like, listening to what what else was happening in the world, first of all. Like, mm. um, there was already, like, a Christian left in the United States um, that was organizing under a different name called um, American Christians Towards Socialism, ACTS. Get, get I love it? that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that was, like, sort of, like, the first name. Uh, but once uh, this group, at least, heard more about what was happening in Chile, they really responded in an interesting way. Um, they, uh, you know, people from Axe were visiting Chile and kind of like seeing what was going on there. And people from Chile were coming to the United States for, you know, reasons. A coup, <laughs> a coup is, a, is the reason. Um, and uh, out of that sort of like experience, uh, Axe transformed into Christians for Socialism, which was the name that the movement took on in uh, Chile. I guess that's significant to me because it's just a way it's just like it, it demonstrates just a little bit that like the the religious left, uh, the Christian left, uh, I guess, specifically in this case, in the United States during like the 70s and 80s, like w- was seeking that sort of like international connection. And that mm-hmm. stands out to me. That's is sniff is sniff. Uh, that is significant. That being said, um, like there was a material presence of all these people, uh, of all these uh, of the Christian left around the United States. Um to name a few, there were chapters in Chicago, in D.C., in Iowa, in Madison, Wisconsin, in Northern California, in Pasadena, in Detroit, in Cincinnati, in New York. Like, all of these places had, like, <laughs> people actually meeting somewhere who were Christians and who were leftists. And not just, like, leftists in the think progress peace sense, but leftists in the actual socialist sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the, the left that seems meaningful. Um, so, uh, they had chapters, they had an organizational system, they had, um, publications, so many publications. I have a big box of them and, um, we will <laughs> keep trying to share them cause they're so cool. Um, anyways, uh, they were involved in like doing actual work, uh, in meeting with each other. So like, for example, in Chicago, uh, the chapters had like sort of like open forums with the public, they had educational events to, uh, relate, you know, the, the, the good news to people. 
uh, of socialism and Christianity. Um, they had theological education events. Uh, they were trying to kind of like uh, promote their brand, get their name out there. Uh, in D.C., uh, they had subgroups that uh, were like studying and supporting international struggles. Uh, they did international solidarity work. Uh, Iowa is my favorite story, uh, probably because it's the closest to me, but also because it's just uh, amazing. Uh, in Iowa, also there's that, that Methodist brand. Yeah, that's right. So in Iowa, there is a, a contingent, more than one, a group of Methodist <laughs> pastors um, who uh, were like committed to socialism and they had a newsletter. They made a book called The Radical Preacher's Sermon Book. Uh, it's really neat and awesome. Um, uh, they uh, supported strikes. They um, uh, materially, that was awesome. Uh, one of the Methodist uh, pastors is called uh, Gil Dawes, and Gil Dawes is so awesome that he invited Angela Davis to come speak at his church, and she did. <laughs> uh, she was, I think, the vice presidential candidate of the Communist Party at that point as well. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so Angela Davis, vice presidential candidate for the Communist Party in Iowa in a Methodist church. Uh, you can go and Google it and kind of read how that went. It probably about what you expect, um, but awesome <laughs> nonetheless. Uh, there's a chap- the chapter in Madison. Um, they uh, helped with a cooperative newspaper uh, that was started by striking newspaper workers. So they like, um, you know, were part of the ideological apparatus there. Uh, Northern California, uh, notable because uh, there was like sort of a struggle to defeat anti-gay employment ballot initiatives. Um, so like they were kind of involved in LGBTQ issues a long time ago. That's neat. Before uh, the Northern Cal, cool. yeah, before it was cool. The Northern California chapter has a lot of interesting stuff going on too. Uh, they um, uh, they were connected to another um, group called Radical Religion. They published like an academic journal, and uh, it's rad. Um, in Detroit, uh, they were integrated into local struggles, uh, definitely trying to reach out to people who were not necessarily religious in the institutional sense. Uh, Cincinnati is also another one of those like pretty wild sort of Midwest examples where they were, uh, actively supporting the, uh, United Mine Workers strike. Uh, and New York is really cool too, uh, because, uh, they were really involved in the Latin American exile community. So all those people who were, uh, leaving Chile, uh, some of them went to New York and uh oh and also notable too uh in new york they organized student workers at union theological seminary so all you union dudes out there there you go and gals dudes and dudettes um, sorry i meant i meant dudes in sort of like the uh <laughs> the broad sense but that's probably not great i should probably shouldn't do that um <laughs> anyways all of these stories is sort of exhaustive list it's not exhaustive we could have talked about more because there are more um but all of these um just kind of like glimpses into different uh, chapters are interesting because it demonstrates like this is what a Christian left did. And this is what a Christian left could do again, like become Mm -hmm. involved in material struggles uh, of like relatively simple things like a newsletter, strike support, inviting Angela Davis to talk to your church, do that one first. (laughs) (laughs) But like, you know, they're nothing like, it's nothing spectacular. Like none of them are like, go into the mountains and arm yourselves. Um, They're all just like, you know, things that materially contribute to a culture that uh, appreciates the left uh, and like, you know, is open to that type of critique and thought. So um, these are all cool because they're small but important things that people did. And uh, dang, I want to do them again. (laughs) 
that's a, an extremely good segue. Um, not usually our brand having good segues. Uh, Sorry. But it's, it's good to be off brand right now. Uh, to talk about the uh, Christians for Socialism Manifesto uh, that we said we were going to talk about earlier. Um, so it came out just recently. Uh, technically, it came out today, the day we're recording this. Um, so who knows what will have transpired in the next couple of days. Uh, but there have been a lot of interesting reactions to it already. And um, Matt and I were uh, working with a bunch of other friends uh, to put this together over time. Um who we, we won't name to, I mean, if they want to say what they did, that's fine. But, like, some people aren't in a position to make that public, so that's cool. But they know who they are. <laughs> they, they know who they are. It could be you. You didn't even know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, so, Matt, maybe we could just talk a little bit about that. I mean, you, you just gave a lot of really good examples of extremely tangible and cool things that Christians for Socialism did um, a few decades ago. Uh, one thing that I think is the most compelling is that local chapters of CFS determined for themselves kind of what issues they thought were really important, what they could contribute to. So for example, um, we've talked to a few people who were involved in it in other places and in Detroit, for example, um, they worked a lot on issues of housing. That was like a big thing for them Mm. in particular, especially as Detroit kind of lost its industrial place in the world. Um, they worked on like rent controls and they worked on, uh, trying to like help people, I guess, transition through the slow collapse of Detroit. Um, but those aren't the same kinds of problems that might've been as significant in, I don't know, Northern California or something. Uh, so I think that is really cool. Like, uh, local chapters figured out what they got to do. Um, and then they reported back to kind of the organization in such a way that it, um, sort of emerged over time, uh, Man, I guess, uh, thinking through what Christians for Socialism might be these days, uh, that's what I'm most excited to do. Um, Just get in a room full of other people in Toronto, uh, talk to them about what they think is going on in the city and how Christians can can help. Like, that sounds so exciting to me. (laughs) Yeah, it's extremely exciting. Um, I, myself, as a person who is incredibly uh, socially anxious... Uh, I'm afraid to say anything to anyone ever, but in this case, <laughs> I'm extremely excited to talk to people about socialism and Christianity. Um, so if you're playing the uh, Magnificast home game, and we know you are, uh, and you want to follow <laughs> along with this conversation, uh, go to christiansforsocialism.org. That's right. It's an org. And uh, <laughs> check out the uh, the manifesto page and see what it is that we uh, we all got up to. Um so it's a really dope manifesto, and uh, all of the people involved put a lot of work and effort into it, and I'm incredibly thankful to, th- to those people because otherwise, uh, I mean, it's just not as good as anything um, we could have ever written by ourselves. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I think it's also important maybe to say up front that um, like we, we worked hard to kind of get some energy around this project, uh, but it's not like a... <laughs> Criticism for Socialism isn't like a, a Magnificast thing or like a, we're not like the mouthpiece of that movement or whatever. Um, so I guess as we talk about it now and as we talk about it in the future, um, this is like our take on it as people who are participating in it, but certainly not any kind of like uh, official statement or something. Um, and I think uh, one thing that's also important to note is the Christians for Socialism episodes that we did are like the most listened to episodes that we've done uh, <laughs> in the past. And we got all kinds of people who were sending us emails 
basically being like, hey, uh, that's all really amazing. Why doesn't this exist anymore? How could it exist? Are you guys doing it again? Are other people doing it again? How can I start one of these? Um, and basically, I guess uh, Matt and I uh, were talking and just got to this point where we were like, yeah, um, we've got this podcast. Maybe we should actually like try to organize people uh, <laughs> uh, as Christians in the left instead of just talking about Christians in the left. Um so yeah, I don't know, Matt. Uh, was there were there anything um, was there anything that happened in kind of the writing of the manifesto that you thought was really exciting, or anything about it in its final form that you think is really cool and worth maybe highlighting? Uh, yeah. So I think um, so. Right after after we did make those episodes, people were like, "Yeah, you guys should do this." And like, uh, I think it's important to say like us guys didn't do it. <laughs> like a lot of people did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, so like we recruited. Uh, I mean, like, I guess, I guess the the important work that we did was like reach out to people who know more stuff than we do. Um, so we recruited people that we like know would be on board and interested, and uh, they all gave us input in their own ways. Um, I think just like connecting with people who might have just been Twitter friends, or might just be acquaintances, or who are extremely close friends uh, on a project like this is just really cool because it shows that people are like interested and you get to work on something with people and that's very nice um so uh uh that was a very fun part of it and a very cool part of it um i think just seeing the comments everyone left uh on the on the piece and seeing like the kind of contributions that they made uh was fun just seeing it kind of take shape and take kind of a personality um bigger than any one person was amazing yeah that's right uh it's also funny the kinds of things that like you write a sentence in a certain way and uh, there are all kinds of unthought assumptions that you make when you write that sentence. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool to kind of have people who helpfully help you figure out, helpfully help you. It's cool that people help you figure out what those assumptions are and maybe try to find better ways of saying it, other ways of saying it, saying something else altogether. Um, I feel like I learned a ton just doing it. I mean, I think the <laughs> the document does suffer from having been ultimately written by a ton of people. Uh, it, it can be a little jumbled, but ultimately, um, I think, uh, I don't know, manifestos are long, so it's a, it's a good starting point anyway. I'm, I'm glad, I, I feel sort of proud to organize around it, and that's a good feeling. Yeah, it's the first manifesto, and uh, assuredly not the last. Um, <laughs> that's right. I mean, it's the thing that's about right. manifestos, you gotta keep writing them. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, a couple sections, I guess, for folks that are interested that maybe we worked, like, especially hard on uh where the smashing mammon section number three and the liberating theology section number four uh those were really important i mean all of it was was easy uh <laughs> not easy uh i mean all of it was important to write um but some sections came easier than others like in some cases we were just rehearsing the history of what happened uh that's not very hard to do um, but when you're trying to articulate the state of capitalism today or trying to articulate um an intersectional vision of what a Christian left might look like uh, you have to work really hard to kind of parse all that out um, mm-hmm. so yeah I don't know those those two sections I think I guess took the most work and also I think are some of the most important content in the piece altogether yeah hopefully uh, when you all inevitably read it you don't find it uh, incredibly alienating uh, <laughs> like maybe I <laughs> felt about the uh, Tradnista uh, manifesto if you do I don't know. Sorry. We did, we did our best, but, um, I think it's good. 
I guess what it, what I like about this manifesto is that it has a, a few just like baseline assumptions about like what Christians should be doing and like what Christian socialists should be doing and what Christians for socialism should be doing. Um, and to me, it just always uh, like the language that kind of keeps popping up again and again is just it's all about liberation in one way or another, um, liberating um liberating one another from like sort of oppressive structures um a line that did make it in uh that i appreciate so much is about liberating uh the rich from wealth i think that's very good i stand by it (laughs) uh um and uh i guess like these um these sort of assumptions that we make in this manifesto should point us at least in a direction right like there are plenty of critiques to be made i'm positive and people have already done it um, we'll get to uh, just the best ones in a minute. Um, but uh, I think what's important is maybe not the the rhetoric of this or the theology of it, even though those things are important. But uh, what's most important is like the material struggles that this type of manifesto can point us towards. Mm-hmm. Um, the sort of a, a building a mutual trust between the religious and the left again, um, promoting that brand of socialism in churches again. Um and then, like, supporting strikers, supporting the dignity of people who are homeless, um, thinking internationally in terms of colonialism and decolonialism. Um, so trying to find ways that we can invest ourselves in these struggles um, and the struggle for liberation. Um, I, guess, I guess that's the, the direction I think it points us in and the direction that I hope others find uh, that it points us in as well. Yeah, I agree. And we should say, too, like... Uh... I was just mentioning the strength of the past iteration of the movement was that it was determined by local chapters. Uh, As it stands, we've been kind of brainstorming about how to help people set up local chapters and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, I mean, there's nothing stopping you from getting a bunch of people together tomorrow and like uh, thinking about what this would look like in your own community or what that looks, what that, uh, what issues might be on the table for you and, um, what you might like to see, I guess, in terms of being a Christian for socialism yourself. Uh, so I think I'm just excited to see where the manifesto goes and where the movement goes and what kind of feedback trickles back um, and move from there. That's the most exciting thing to me. I feel like the horizon is very, very bright, glittering with possibilities, and that's a cool feeling to have. Yeah, I think since this is like basically our only soapbox uh to get up on in the world uh it's important to stress that like this is not intellectual property of which we are extremely (laughs) protective of like i don't know if you find this manifesto in any way motivating i guess just get at it um and see what happens yeah do what you gotta do um so (laughs) we did want to take some time at the very end to rehearse uh some of the the best criticisms of this document which are found unsurprisingly uh on reddit.com slash r slash christianity uh, the hotbed of the most responsible christian thinking on the internet <laughs> um man i can only imagine how many hours i've poured into this subreddit specifically <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny to see where this got posted i don't use reddit anymore um but i did same search and i found it on christianity radical christianity uh and then i think you were telling me you found it on socialism art socialism so yeah I don't know. It's, 
it's getting out there. Um, but dang, the <laughs> all of the the front pages of the internet for sure. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Christianity oh. subreddit is a, a real gem. Yeah. Uh, so all of you who are unfamiliar, Reddit is uh, kind of like a big message board. Uh, people post. It's like a news aggregate site that you can also post sort of like other topics to. Um, if you've never used Reddit before, uh, I wouldn't suggest going out and making an account. It's not very <laughs> good. Uh, in and fact, if you do use it, I would suggest deleting your account. Yeah, uh, I'd go as far as to say as it's actually bad. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, again, if you're not a part of that community, the radical or the the Christianity subreddit um, is always just so contentious of people ready to rip off one another's heads over just the dumbest stuff um (laughs) and like i get it that uh a manifesto called you know about about a group called christians for socialism is for sure something that's going to rile people up um (laughs) but uh lucky for us and lucky for all of you it did it in the most just funny way possible um so uh one user comments (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sorry i'm just gonna have a hard time getting through this um so in the manifesto we make many allusions to the magnificat because like it's awesome so like why wouldn't you anyways one user comments uh uh well what's not even called this comment let's call this a meditation on uh the manifesto <laughs> sending the rich away uh, sending the rich away that's all i need to hear from this apparently access to christ grace the communion with the body of christ is dictated by how much money you make <laughs> um so you better not make much um uh one one user who i'm actually particularly fond of um comments back in good faith with just like some bible verses that should probably oh like let this let this first commenter know that like the sending the rich away part is from the bible (laughs) um and then another commenter who i'm also uh fond of says you're gonna have to tell that to mary too <laughs> and then uh, the first commenter, who is uh, incredulous towards the idea of sending the rich away, comments back, "What? I'm a Baptist. Why should I tell Mary anything?" <laughs> <laughs> off uh, the hook. Off. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If you're a Baptist, uh, you can ignore uh, any part of the Bible uh, where Mary speaks. It's just, uh, <laughs> you can do it. It's in the it's in the bylaws of the uh, Constitution of uh, Baptists. <laughs> the Baptist bishop said. <laughs> that's right uh the baptist hierarchy says uh the, sorry the baptist magisterium uh this is a great great coming on the heels of talking with john <laughs> yeah no kidding uh who is actually a good baptist um yeah uh baptists are all right i don't mind them at all <laughs> uh <laughs> so anyways uh this person just cannot believe uh or, or like is just not getting in on the joke that like that's in the bible um and i like it so much i like it so much this person cannot understand that uh that's so funny uh people are very silly and uh there you go (laughs) haters gonna hate that's all that's all there's to it there's a lot of great uh comments in here about deciding whether or not um norway is socialist deciding whether or not um venezuela is socialist uh it's just full of uh every take you could possibly imagine um so i don't know it's actually probably a good cross-section of like how how bad christians are at thinking about socialism and how important it is to have a movement like christians for socialism <laughs> yeah uh anyone out there doing sort of like a digital ethnography on uh, christians response to socialism this is a uh, goldmine for you <laughs> that's right uh you could pitch this as a postdoc for sure
<laughs> I'm positive that is actually true. <laughs> Someone needs to put this community under a microscope and just study it because it is <laughs> it is unique to say the least. That is uh, the kind of a slide you just throw right in the garbage after you after you're done putting it on that microscope. Here's another good one. <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> one user comments: Socialism has failed every time it was tried. How's things going in Venezuela? How about North Korea? So, you know, that comment, uh, unsurprising. I'm sure that you've Nailed read it. that on Facebook Got a thousand it. times. Check. If you're playing uh, bingo at home, you can scratch that one off. <laughs> that's right. Uh, again, another um, uh, another user who I'm very fond of. This is kind of uh, a user that I'm fond of is like the 2018 version saying the disciple that Jesus loved uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, says uh, many times socialism uh, has been attempted. There has been imperial backed opposition. Why are socialists always seen as a threat to Western Europe if it's just a failing state? Um, and then the first user comments back, uh, the adversary will call them. I don't see socialism as a threat. <laughs> I see it as a loser. <laughs> and then, uh, there's another back and forth, oh, no. um, in which, uh, the disciple that Jesus love says, um, like, then why did the U S go to war in Vietnam? Why did the U S go to war in Korea? Why did the CIA back a coup against a socialist leader in Chile? Um, and so on and so on. And then, uh, the adversary says to free the slaves, of course, Boom! <laughs> Got him. Nailed it. Got him. Roast him. That's it. Socialism over, guys. It's uh, That's it's right. all done. Pack it in. Yeah, I'm sorry. Actually, after reading this, uh, I've decided to delete the manifesto off the internet. Uh, despite all the hard work uh, done by everyone, this is just unassailable, and uh, it's over. One commenter also po- uh, posted that the status of North Korea currently has nothing to do with the West. Like, except it does completely. <laughs> <laughs> There's no North Korea. I mean, there it wouldn't be a North Korea unless there was, like, you know, wars. <laughs> that, <laughs> that the United uh, States were part of. This is insane. Like, what kind of weird commenter, world is this? This is the same guy who didn't know that uh, sending the rich away empty uh, is in the Bible. So yeah, literally um, in the first uh, uh, first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. So yeah, uh, so just real wild, wild time to be alive. Anyways, uh, study these study these weird folks over here on the internet because it's just <laughs> just it's just too much. It's just it too is. much to really. It's it's way too much. <laughs> Oof. The nice thing about Christians for Socialism is that with any luck, it won't be reducible to internet comments uh, for or against, but hopefully it will become a useful tool for Christian leftists who are trying to uh, figure out what to do in their own communities. Um, Like Matt was saying earlier, we have all these resources and we've been trying to track down copyrights and things like that before we kind of release them out into the wild. Um, But when we do, uh, we're going to try to make those resources widely available. Uh, We're going to try to hopefully come up with some more newer resources that would be useful. Um, But I think most importantly, uh, it will be awesome to find out how this actually looks in certain places. So uh, (laughs) if you live in Toronto, uh, I'm hoping to put together something in the beginning of February. There's already like six or seven people uh in a in a toronto facebook group for this whole thing so you know it's gonna be a big deal uh yeah for sure if you live anywhere uh and you're interested in doing this just like ask a friend ask your church mates community congregants church mates uh church mates is probably the right word uh (laughs) ask your church mates uh just like hang out have a conversation um take some baby steps i don't know it doesn't have to be anything huge but like uh 
nothing to it but to do it. In the words That's of right. Hey Arnold's best character, Gerald. <laughs> hey Arnold's best character, Gerald. Um, <laughs> Only nine kids. We'll get that joke. Really, <laughs> really doing it. Uh, I think uh, that is actually probably the another thing maybe to tack on at the end here is that uh, we're trying like hard to distance ourselves from being so presumptuous as to think that like writing a manifesto is really that huge of a deal. Like it's a lot of work, but it's not that huge of a deal. The huge deal is getting out and getting your people together and finding out how you can connect with other leftist struggles and other Christian people in your community. And I mean, so often we get email after email about people asking us like, hey, that's really cool that that happened in Nicaragua in the 1960s. But like what's going on in the Midwest in the United States right now? And it's like, uh, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, So if you are feeling that way, I mean, be the be the change you want to see in the world. I don't know who said that Gandhi or something. Uh, Gandhi and then also Michael Jackson. Yeah, right. Okay, so pick your (laughs) pick your favorite. Um, your favorite quote sayer and uh, do what they tell you <laughs> thanks for listening to Magnificast uh, if you like what you heard here and I can't imagine you wouldn't you should uh, follow us on Twitter follow our pages on Facebook join the Magnificast basement and have a conversation with us uh, you can also uh, follow Christians for Socialism on Twitter and on Facebook I suggest you should do that go check out the manifesto again at christiansforsocialism.org um, do all those things uh, if you really really like us or even if you don't and you want to give us money you can uh, support us on Patreon recently uh, thanks to all of our wonderful and good uh, Patreon folks we reached our goal and we can like I don't know pay for stuff so uh, this year we got to do a lot of cool things that were funded completely by listeners like buttons and shirts, which are still coming and they're on the way. They're not here yet, but they will be soon. Um, so anyways, you can contribute to that good stuff as well. Um, we should uh, take a minute to actually say maybe what that money goes to, because I don't know. Nobody's ever asked us, but presumably some people would care. Um, yeah, we, uh, I think so. Like. Doing a podcast is both uh, easier and harder than you might think. Uh, it's easy. It's, medium. it's as easy. It's medium yeah, difficulty. It, exactly. It is medium difficulty. It's it's as easy as buying a microphone and putting it in your computer and then uh, talking into it and poorly editing it and putting it on the internet. It's that easy. But um, the things that we kind of were hoping to do was finding ways to support uh, different movements that we think were important, finding ways to... Uh, spread the good news of socialism and Christianity and also find ways to support us taking our own time to do this. So uh, in the last year, um, we donated to a couple of campaigns that were raising money. Uh, For example, like after Charlottesville, there were some bills that needed to be paid from people who got hurt or people who had legal trouble. So we've contributed to those campaigns. Uh, We um, paid Benjamin Wildflower, the artist who designed the incredibly cool woodcut image that will appear on our shirts. Um, and he's having them printed up uh, in India where he, um, I don't know, knows folks who do that uh, sustainably and ethically. Uh, he has a relationship with them. So that's money that we thought was important to spend. Um, we paid Maria Armstrong to make our introduction because she does incredibly cool music and deserves money for it. So, yeah, I guess the short of it is like, 
um we're not just like uh holding up all this money in a uh, <laughs> like a, a bank account somewhere um we're paying for that stuff we're paying for domain names we're uh trying to fund um starting up other things like christmas for socialism so yeah i don't know i don't know if that's important but felt like something that maybe we should yeah. make public i think that's good <laughs> yeah like that money like we do things with it that are cool so it's worth it so thank you so thank you uh <laughs> Quick shout out to, uh, I guess as usual, RevLeft Radio is awesome. Uh, listen to them if you don't. It's so good. Such good stuff. They constantly have good episodes, uh, and Brett is very cool. So listen to RevLeft. Um, also, uh, I don't know if you guys follow Tyler Hill on Twitter, but you should. And also he has a really great podcast called uh, Gods and Ghosts. Uh, this week he uh, released an episode uh, about the uh, Battle of Blair Mountain, and it is a really important piece of the history of labor in the United States, but it's often overlooked. So get out there and listen to those good podcasts, those good podcast friends of ours. Um, <laughs> so uh, one final note, just kind of to close the show out uh, to all of our detractors, uh, and this is a quote from uh, <laughs> the adversary from Reddit. Uh, this is really <laughs> important. It's like you live in some goddamn la-la land. We have no basis for reality between the two of us. We won't come to an agreement. You're only wrong. You are deliberately ignorant of facts and history. We are done here. Good day, sir. <laughs> I said good day. <laughs> All right. See you next time on the Magnificast. <laughs>